to Totalus Rankium. This week, Gration! And welcome to Roman Emperor's Talus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Augustus. And here we are on episode 66. Ooh. It's Gratian. Wow, we're, we're 600 away from the evil episode. From Nero's episode. Did we go over that? What? Nero, number of the beast. No. No, I'm sure I mentioned it in his episode. You might have done, but he's a year ago now. I remember it was some time ago. If you're one of our listeners who are binge listening, and it's only like a couple of months ago, you might remember if we talked about that. Yeah, um, yeah Nero, if you translate his name through various things, <laughs> Latin, <laughs> Greek and Hebrew, then eventually you end up with the number 666. And there are some theories that 666 <sighs> is a reference to Nero, although some people point out that it's actually 616, so the number of the beast should be 616. There yeah. are also people who point out that there are only 10 symbols we use for numbers, so of course there will be coincidences. You've literally just covered <laughs> all of the things I was about to say. Well done. There we yes. Go, yes. Right. So what you're saying is rubbish. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, okay. it's obviously rubbish. Fantastic. But as it, like any conspiracy theory that links to a number is clearly ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> you notice the number two often turns up on a Tuesday. Oh my goodness. Wait, Tuesday? Exactly. Oh my goodness. Exactly. <laughs> and oh. you know one seventh of people die on a Tuesday? Yes, they do. <laughs> it's a good job this is a short episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fill the time. Yes. Right, okay. We're not going to start with Gratian just no, yet, though. That's good. Although I could do with a recap because I haven't actually listened to that episode all the way through. Oh, have you not? I've only listened about the first half an hour. Is that the first time that's happened? I Yes, yeah. I think so. Oh dear. Showing a, a decline. Probably. You think? Probably should get a co host. Do you think we're declining Another in the one. same way the Empire's declining? Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Like poetic sort of yeah. Yeah, symmetry. I like it. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'll give you a quick recap okay. on Gratian um, when we get to him, because first we're going to have a look at Athanasius. Yay! Haven't heard of him. We did two weeks. Haven't heard of him. Uh, yeah, well, you see, you say you need a recap. You know. Yeah, we haven't looked at him because the last two episodes have been rampant full of stuff. So I haven't had time <laughs> to look at him, really. So, why have we been looking at Athanasius? I don't know. No? <laughs> no idea. Well, it's because... His story and his five exiles highlight the troubles of early Christianity. So he's not particularly special, he's just an example of one person. Yeah, he's not suddenly going to do something. He's not going to whip out a sword, kill the emperor and <laughs> change the course of history. Oh. That's not going to happen. In fact, he just quietly dies quite soon. But, oh. <laughs> like you say, he is one of the early high-up Christians that are battling. And his story just gives you a sense of the turmoil that early Christianity faced. Mm. And you don't really get that sense when you just look at the emperors one by one. So I, yeah. I felt it was important we did look at him. Um, so let's have a quick recap. Like I say, we've not talked about mm. him. So, Athanasius, he was at the Council of Nicaea. Yeah. He was one of the leaders in the anti-Aryan side. Yes. His side won the argument and the Nicaean Creed was established. God and Jesus were totally the same thing. <laughs> that was what was written down. It's weird that. It's like religions now throughout the whole world still agree with something that was decided, say, about 2,000 years ago. Yeah, almost all sects of Christianity now are yeah. considered Nicene. 
Because they follow the Nicene Creed still. That God and Jesus said, that's, that's... It's yeah. weird that decision was just made in a meeting by yeah. people that weren't there at the time that it all happened. And who knows, if Father Christmas hadn't have thrown that punch, maybe the argument could have gone the other way. Well, if he used to have drank so much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the meeting is called to a close. The Nicene Creed is established. The Anti-Arians win. Soon afterwards, Athanasius becomes the Bishop of Alexandria. He was perhaps a little heavy-handed with the Arians in his area and soon faced charges of abusing his power. I didn't expect that kind of behaviour from him. No? I think a bit more tame. Well, we don't know. There are many people who say this was Arians spreading malicious lies about him. And he was actually very tame. There were some people, I imagine, who would say, actually, he was evil, and he killed everyone he saw. Well, we'll never fully know the truth. The sources are fairly positive with him, but that's because the sources come from anti-Aryan <laughs> sides. Yeah. yeah. So, we'll never fully know, I don't think. But what we do know is that he faced charges. So he goes to Constantine the Great and asks for a pardon. But if you remember, he foolishly mentioned grain. Oh, yeah, he did, yeah. Do you think he just shouted the word repeatedly? Yeah. Grain, grain. Do you think he just coughed it after every sentence? Grain. Yeah. Every time uh, Constantine started speaking, I will speak to you, I will... Grain, um, grain. <laughs> I will, like... Grain, grain. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Constantine just got so annoyed. Just, just exile him, Grain! Banish him. That's <laughs> so, been dragged out. Grain! Yes. No, he, he wasn't just saying the word grain. He, he hinted that Egypt could withhold the grain supply, and that would be very damaging. Constantine was not having any of that. I was going to say that was a threat. It, it was a silly thing to do, really, wasn't it? It basically was a threat. It was a threat, <laughs> yes. So, exile one. Yeah. Oh, maybe we should get the man in the cupboard to say that. Exile one. He went to Gaul, and he stayed with a friend, which is nice. And then Constantine the Great died, so he got to go home to Alexandria. Yeah. However, Constantine's son, Constantius II, didn't like him. Exile two. Back to Europe he goes. Gaul, via Rome this time. He goes off, meets with his friend. They have a lot of meetings at this point, deciding on uh, what's the best way for Christianity to go. Remember the Aryans split off and formed their own council. And uh, the Easter Bunny went with them. And they all exiled each other. And it was all a bit of a mess. Yeah. Athanasius, at this point, makes friends with Constans, who writes to Constantius too and says, let Athanasius go home, otherwise we will come to blows. Eventually, Constantius too caves in they meet in a car park underneath Constantinople, I believe we decided. Nice, yeah. And eventually, Athanasius goes home. However, Yay. soon afterwards, Constans died. Constantius II makes his move again. Exile three. Bored of Europe, Athanasius travels up the Nile to go and hide under a sphinx. He's got to watch out for the crocodiles, then. Yes, definitely. Constantius II died, mm. and Athanasius was encouraged by his supporters to come home. Athanasius had just unpacked when word comes through from Julian that he was not welcome. <laughs> Exile four. Back to the sphinxes he goes. Up the nose. That's how it broke. Yes. <laughs> Trying to wedge himself in. <laughs> However, Julian, as we know, did not last long. No. News no, comes through that Jovian's now the emperor. Who? Athanasius went, oh, Jovian, that really great guy in the army. No, the other one. What other one? Who? Yeah. 
Either way, Athanasius heads to Antioch to await the new emperor, hoping to get on his good side. Amazingly, this new emperor actually seemed to like Athanasius. That's the first. Yeah. Athanasius and Jovian seem to get on like a pair of people who get on quite well. Oh, good. As the saying goes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Athanasius does a bit of work for Jovian, brings yep. him up to speed on the whole Aryan anti Aryan thing. Jovian says, You can have your bishopric back. <laughs> and off Athanasius goes with a skip in his step back to Alexandria. Boing. And that's when we left him last. Yeah. So what happens next? <gasps> he reaches Alexandria. He throws his suitcase onto the bed. And I'm guessing he was exactly halfway through his sigh of contentment when Roger turned up with a letter. Who's that? Good news. Jovian's dead. <laughs> After a bout of swearing and kicking of furniture, I'm guessing. He wouldn't swear. Oh, heck. Yes. <laughs> Athanasius attempted to work out who was now in charge. He did a bit of research and it turned out it was a man named Valens. Oh, yeah. Who is this Valens, he asked. Was he a Christian? Oh, yes. Yes, he's a Christian. Yeah. Excellent. What's that? Oh, he's an Aryan. Oh, bloody hell. (laughs) Oh, dear. So it was not long before a notice arrives telling Athanasius that he is exiled once more. Exile five. This time, Athanasius, thoroughly fed up, didn't even bother leaving the city. (laughs) He Sorry, went, in exile. <laughs> well, he went to the outskirts of Alexandria, possibly to his family's tomb, and just waited in there for a couple of months. Oh, that's depressing. <laughs> yes, it really is, isn't it? That's horrible. <laughs> sat just in the leave dark. me here, staring at my ancestors. Right, uh, do you think he was planning to go back to his Sphinx home, and on the way he just caught his family's tomb and went, you know what, lads, I can't do this anymore. Oh, that's really sad. It's a bit sad, isn't it? Yeah. Still, he had a lot of supporters, and they went and pleaded with the Emperor. Valens, perhaps seeing that this was all more trouble than it's worth, decides that Athanasius can return. Yeah. He's too busy to worry about Alexandria. There's far much going on. So Athanasius finally returns home. He spends a couple of years trying to sort out Alexandria, generally make it anti-Aryan. Yeah. And then in 373... He dies peacefully in his own bed. Aww. And there you go. That's the life of Athanasius. It's quite sad in a way. I, f- I felt the same way when we found out that um, Diocletian died, it's like building up for weeks and weeks and weeks, then he's finally died. It's like, if you want, we can change the end. Okay. In 373, he was in his bedroom when assassins came through. There were seven of them. They fought to the death. <laughs> And Athanasius managed to kill all seven, but was mortally wounded. That's quite cool. Yeah. Bit more exciting. Yeah, that'd do. Yeah. Okay. So that's so this, what this is how history. This is how the history of Augusta was made, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. It was. That's a bit boring. Can we? How about this? Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> like it. Yeah, I, I see your point. It's a bit of an anticlimax, Athanasius. No, but... no, it's a nice one though. It's kind of a ah sort of thing. Like, oh, yeah. But like I say, it, it shows the divide in Christianity. Yes. So what kind of powers did he have in Alexandria? Because he's obviously a massive spiritual leader, but did he have any kind of policy input? or? He had power in the sense that a lot of people would have followed him. He was a ah. religious leader, okay. and he would have been more respected than the political leaders. So if he said something like, I believe the poor shouldn't pay so many taxes, and everyone went, yes. 
that yeah. may in affect. Exactly. He, uh, he had moral authority. And that, that scared the, the politicians of Rome. Yeah. Especially when there was this big divide of Arian and anti-Arian going on. So yeah, we had an interesting message from one of our listeners. You'll see why this is linked in a moment. Okay. <laughs> Stating that Adrianople, or Adrianople, wasn't the start of the fall of the West. Because it was an Eastern emperor and an Eastern army that got defeated. Okay. I must admit, this shocked me slightly. I thought, oh, you, I've never even thought of that. Because I genuinely have not thought about the empire being split between East and West yet. Mm. I don't know about you, but I'm still I, seeing it as one whole empire. From the narrative you've given, yeah, I've seen it as a, a combined... Well, I guess culturally, yes. Yes. as an entity, I thought it was one thing. I mean, we did have Valens in the East, and we had Valentinian in the West. Yeah. Yeah, you've got multiple emperors, but there's not this hard divide. No. So I, I found that comment interesting, but... What I did think is we do definitely have one East and West split at the moment. Mm. And that is the religious split. Oh. Because the West are anti-Aryan and the East are Aryan. Oh, that's interesting. Which made me think, oh, maybe this concept of the split, it actually more comes from the, uh, the religious angle. It definitely seems more split along lines of religion at the moment than it does politically. Although, as you pointed out, the cultural split's there as well. But we, we are dangerously close to actually trying to do some kind of analysis for history yeah. here. So, yeah, I mean, kind of digression doesn't really go anywhere. But, yeah, I, I just found it, found yeah. it interesting. When I was, I was just something I thought about whilst doing no, my that's notes. Quite, yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, yeah. So it's, it's more of a social divide rather than a political divide. Yeah, I w we'll see how the empire splits. But, yeah, like I say, in my head, it's not split yet. No. It's it's splitting. So I found it interesting one of our listeners has, had already made that distinction. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you're listening, let us know. if you, you When do you think the Empire split? That's a good question. Yeah, give us a date. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we'll put what it up on time. Facebook. We want day, hour, minute. Yes. And Let's, who? Because, who split it? Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, is hard, hard to answer. And you know what? I think it's time we sort it out. Yeah. So yeah. put the name of the person exact time to the yeah. minute the yeah. second if you for extra rounding points yeah okay right should we start Gratian oh yeah so here we go Gratian son of Valentinian he Ooh. was born in Sirmium in 359 when his father had been chucked out of the army for not chasing down the barbarians yeah his mother was Marina, the moment. Aqua Marina. We know very little about Gratian's early childhood, apart from the fact that he followed his father around. And that's about it. <laughs> that's good. This yeah. is back to the crisis, isn't it? Don't know if his childhood rose through the ranks, became emperor. Yes. Do you notice how we're losing Amianus? <laughs> yes. In fact, you'll, you'll <laughs> see exactly when we lose Am Amianus. We lose Amianus halfway through Gratian. Okay. You're going to see... The, the difference. Yeah. Detail is a detail, then you died. <laughs> well, we've got a bit of detail because um, Amianus does talk about part of his life. I'm expecting to use a page here today, by the way, on my notebook. Oh, we might get a bit more than that. Yeah, we'll see. We have very little mention of, of him during the rise of his father as yeah. emperor. We do know that Gratian was with his father in Gaul after Valentinian and Valens had split the empire. Then, when Gratian was eight years old, his father becomes ill. The court begins to split. The Gallic men, because they're in Gaul at the moment, yeah. who lived in Paris and formed a large part of the imperial court, formed a faction behind a man named Rusticus. Oh, yeah. Yes, we mentioned him before. As I've already said, and I'll quote Amianus again here, 
Should he be made emperor, a man who, as smitten by a blast of madness, was as greedy for human blood as a wild beast? Ooh. Yes, I think we decided he was a minotaur. Yes, you were. Yes, that's what he was. He's either clearly mad, a minotaur, or perhaps this is just Amianus's racism coming through. Oh, would you like a racist author? No, well, they're all racist. That's true. <laughs> and misogynistic and bigoted. Yeah, you just kind of got to try and gloss over that. <laughs> and that's why we love the Roman Empire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Amianus really isn't that bad, to be honest. But things like this, Rusticus was a Gallic man, so obviously he couldn't be a good um, I don't know maybe maybe I'm seeing things things maybe I am another faction was also formed to go against Rusticus mm. and I quote some who with higher aims strove in the course of Servius then commander of the infantry as a man fitted for attaining that rank and although he was strict and feared he was more endurable and in every way better than Rusticus so even though he's bad he's still better than Rusticus yeah okay what's not mentioned is Gratian and his family's reaction to this. Yeah. Was little Gratian and his mother, Marinus, cowering in a room, knowing that the death of Valentinian would equate to theirs as well? Of course, yeah. Or perhaps they were on one side. If they were, I'm guessing they'd be with Severus rather than the Gallic people. More, pre- yeah, they're more, yeah. more likely to be loyal. Yeah. Ooh. We ha- just have no idea. Pure speculation. They're going to be scared, though. They're going to be scared. Uncertainty. Yes. Definitely. A bit like now. In the end, it did not matter because Valentinian soon recovered, looked around him and started (laughs) angrily shouting that he wasn't dead. (laughs) Look, I'm not dead. (laughs) Halfway through a funeral. I'm really not dead. Bishop, please. (laughs) May he rest in peace forever. His soul be carried. But I'm not dead. It takes a long time to accept these things. I'm not dead. Please. It was only after he burst out of his coffin that night. That <laughs> Punched he... through. Yeah. <laughs> the scream of his family members watching over. That's why he was so angry afterwards. Uh, yeah, you would yeah. be, though, wouldn't you? Yeah. So he was still alive, but he was not happy. <laughs> and I'll quote again. Observing that he was hardly yet rescued from the danger of death, he purposed to bestow the imperial insignia upon his son Gratianus, who had by this time nearly reached the age of puberty. Ooh. I.e. nine. What? No, they started young back then. I was like 24. Or... Yeah, right. <laughs> Each of their own. 22 myself. <laughs> Stop showing off. <laughs> A ceremony was hastily put together to crown the youngest emperor so far. Yes, yeah, yeah, he's nine. He's nine. That's insane. And he's not Caesar, he's Augustus. It's one of his. Oh, wow. Because we talked about this, like, imagine, because I teach nine and ten-year-olds, so imagine one of the kids in my class being my boss. Mm. Wow. Yes. You'd need advisors. <laughs> You'd need advisors. <laughs> emperor, sir, please have advisors. Well, is he the youngest emperor so far? I don't know. Is he? Well, we've certainly not covered anyone younger, but let's not forget... Usurpers. There are some emperors who we have not covered on account of them being rubbish during the crisis, and they were only declared emperor because their father was desperately clinging on to power. And didn't we consider them more usurpers rather than... Partly, yes. But just for completion's sake, I decided to compile a list of these emperors that we didn't cover, so we can see what age they are. Can we have, like, a special episode where we go through these emperors properly? Um, no. You'll see why in a moment. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go through them now, and there's really not much more to say about them. <laughs> well, this counts. There's, there's a reason why we didn't give them episodes. <laughs> So we'll go in chronological order. 
First of all, we have Gaius. Gaius. Gaius is the son of Thrax, who ruled until Thrax was killed. And he was killed with his father. Oh dear. It's debatable. Yeah, it's debatable whether he was ever declared Augustus. He might have only ever been Caesar. He was about 20 when he became emperor. Well, that's... that's So he was young, but certainly not nine. (laughs) So there we go, that's the first one we skipped. Then we skipped Philip II. Philip II. This is the son of Philip, you'll be surprised to learn. Big Phil. (laughs) The earliest he could have been joint Augustus was age nine, making him equal to Gratian. So possibly younger, we're not sure. But perhaps it was later, he might have been anything up to the age of 12 when he was declared Augustus. That's quite a difference. Well, between 9 and 12. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we just don't know. It's mm. somewhere between those ages. Phil too died at the age of 12. The Praetorian guards murdered him as soon as they heard that Big Phil had mysteriously died in the desert. How could you do that? The Romans were horrible. I know it's a different time <laughs> and different morale. I, I understand that. And they probably were just more interested in getting paid. But you're killing a 12-year-old child. That's yeah. awful. Yes, it is. I'm loving the fact that it took up to episode 66 <laughs> for it to sink in how yeah. awful the Romans were. And we did Tiberius a year ago, so... <laughs> oh, man. Okay, next one. Herennius. Who we briefly did mention, although I'm sure you have forgotten him. He is the son of Decius and the elder brother oh. of Hostilian. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He was around 24 when he became an emperor. He died in the Battle of Abritus with his father. You might remember during the crisis, there was a big swamp battle against the Goths. Alligators. Yes, that, that's the one. Can you remember? Yeah. Yes. So he died in that battle. Oh dear. Okay. And that leads, to, leads us neatly into our next forgotten emperor. When Decius and Herennius died, Hostilian was given power, remember? But Gallus was acclaimed by the troops. Gallus, in a shrewd political manoeuvre, adopts Hostilian, but he had his own son, Valusianus. Valusianus! In a matter of mere weeks, Hostilian died of evil bubble wrap disease. Ooh, yes. So, Valusianus was elevated to the place of Augustus, and he held the role for nearly two years before Aemilianus' revolt killed him off, and we have no idea how old he was. So how come we didn't cover him? He ruled for two years on his own. No, not on his own. Oh. Whilst his father, Gallus, was in charge. Ah, okay. Yeah. So he never did anything on his own. He died at the same time as his father. He didn't do anything. Okay. Yes. (laughs) He probably did. He probably had massive reforms. Probably saved millions of people. But we have no idea. We just don't know. Mm. Yeah. And we don't know how old he was either. So he possibly could have been younger than Gratian. So that's now two that could have been younger than Gratian. Finally, we have Salonius. Salonius! Do you remember Salonius? No. No, didn't think you would, but you will remember him in a moment. He was the son of Gallienus. Now, if you remember, Gallienus had his sons in various cities, and the cities revolted and held his sons hostage. Oh, yes! Coming back to you. Yes, vaguely. Yes. yes. You remember poor Gallienus constantly getting the messengers messages <laughs> from Roger. Yeah. It was always bad news. Yeah. And one yeah. of those letters was the city your son's in's revolted. Oh dear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he was eighteen when he became joint emperor. But unfortunately, he was held captive by those who wanted to dispose Gallienus and ended up executed. Oh dear. 
Yes. So those are all the emperors that we kind of skipped over because they did so little they didn't deserve an episode. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So with all that in mind, I'm going to give Gratian the youngest emperor award. Okay. Let's discount the one that we've got no idea because he could have been 17 for all we know. Yeah, that's true. And the other one, the very, very earliest he could have been was joint nine years old. So technically he could have been younger, but it's more likely he was older. Fair enough. So I'm going to say, well done, Gratian. Let's give him a certificate, youngest emperor award. Here we go. And he can hold that certificate until next episode. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So back to the story. Gratian was led in front of the troops who were glad to see their emperor alive and willing to go along with the crowning of a boy. <laughs> after all, there was sure to be some gifts to the troops after the elevation of an emperor, so they were happy. I feel they'll be disappointed. Just, just think when he came out, it's like one nudge another. So he's saying, is this a joke? He's, he's nine. They said they're going to give us some cash. Fair enough. Wait, Christian! <laughs> yeah, I think that's how it went. Yeah, cool. Yeah. We have the speech of Valentinian, according to Amianus. And I will quote, This son of mine, Gratianus, now become a man, has long lived amongst your children. And you love him as a tie between you and me. Therefore, in order to secure the public peace on all sides, I plan to take him as my associate in the imperial power. It's not not an uplifting speech, is it, really? Well, he then goes on to describe his son, so maybe it gets a bit more... Ooh, okay. Yeah, okay. Ooh, oh, dear. <laughs> he has not been, as we have been, brought up in a severe school from his very cradle, nor trained in the endurance of adversary. And, as you see, he is not yet able to endure the dust of Mars. <laughs> Which is quite nice. So, basically, he's not an astronaut. No, he's not an astronaut. He, he's a bit of a weakling, uh, and he's only nine. And he clearly can't fight. No. He's a child. Yeah, he's a child. Year five, reading age of about a six-year-old. Yeah. Can't draw very well. He's a great tree, though. He, he's good at listening. He can do it to his six-times table. Yeah, that's what he can do, with, with help. <laughs> so he goes on. He, he realises the speech not going down too well at this point. The clapping just dying down a bit, and people <laughs> looking a bit... What? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to stop listing why he's rubbish? <laughs> so he carries on but in harmony with the glory of his family and the great deeds of his forefathers he will forthwith rise to greater heights he will rush forward to noble deeds and cling close to the military standards and eagles he will endure sun and snow frost and thirst and wakeful hours he will defend his camp if necessity ever requires it he will risk his life for the companions of his dangers Daddy, I need a wing. <laughs> Not now, son. <laughs> so quotus. <laughs> yeah, I've just got this image of little Gratian just looking terrified. <laughs> what? I don't want to die. Da- dangers. <laughs> what? But not really knowing what all the other words mean. Yeah. (laughs) The troops, however, liked this part of the speech. Apparently they went crazy at this point. Oh, of course they did. Yes. One man rose up and said, The house of Gratianus is worthy of this. Way. I'm guessing that rang a bit better in Latin. (laughs) Probably it did. This man was immediately promoted on the spot. Really? Yes. (laughs) No wonder they shout out stupid things. (laughs) If that's all it takes to get you promotion. Well, he could be Jeff. For we know. Yes. I just promoted to a, a commander. Well, a legion. apparently after this, men were falling over each other to praise the young boy. Of course they were. Yes. I, he's got uh, he's got a stern look about him. I get lost in his eyes. <laughs> yeah, things like that. <laughs> he's got hair of gold. 
Yeah, so the, the lots lots of men were very praiseful of the boy. So Jeff is now leading a legion. Yes. Oh dear. Jeff the Younger as well, because... Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's not good. From then on, Gratian follows his father around in everything he does, starting with the attack on the Alamanni. Hey. A couple of years later, his father divorces Marina. Aquamarine. And Valentinian marries Justina. Justina. <laughs> yes, I don't think Justina was a mermaid. Justina was, however, interestingly, the widow of Magnentius. Oh, really? Yes, you remember Magnentius, the man who staged the drunken party coup against Con- Constance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then was later killed by Constantius too. Really regretted that. Yes, yeah. she was very young back then, too young to have children. Ooh. Somewhat Ooh, disturbingly, yes. Okay. Um, so she was now... <laughs> that's over from the age of one to about 12 is bad anyway. <laughs> Whatever it is, is bad. Yes, it's bad. <laughs> Yeah, so she was very young, we'll just say that. Too young, that's what we're saying. <laughs> she was too young to get married. Bad managers. Yes, but she's older now, and she's able to marry Valentinian. Gratian now has a stepmother, and soon also has a stepbrother named Valentinian II. That's a bad name. You're going to be a bit annoyed, aren't you? Why? Your father's called Valentinian. Oh, of course, yeah. You are called Gratian. And then your dad gets rid of your mother, marries someone else, has another son, and calls him Valentinian too. Which, to be fair, perhaps the two part was put on later. No, I think it's just an <laughs> ambitious family. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Never know! <laughs> so, bigger family now. Gratian then spent the rest of his time, again, following his father around, until Valentinian said one day, Son... Just popping off to the Danube to shout at some quad eye. Oh dear. I'll be right back. <laughs> Just look after Goldflake for me. <laughs> Innocence, remember, has been released into the wild That's by true. this point. Yes, so I figure savage an entire village. Yes, I figure there's only one one bear left. Yeah. So oh, Gratian's looking after Goldflake. And as we know, Valentinian shouted too much and never returned. <laughs> Suddenly out of nowhere, Gratian was now the senior Augustus. In the West. And he's only 16. Even that, though. Yeah. All the hormones. Yes, it's not good. No. Kill them! I love you! <laughs> Kill them all! <laughs> I want a girlfriend. <laughs> Leave me alone in my room. <laughs> With Goldflake. Ooh. <laughs> oh, dear. No, not like that. <laughs> Maybe like that. Who knows? There was some tension going around at this point. The men who were with Valentinian were worried. They were suddenly far away from either emperor and in charge of a large army that had never really got behind the Valentinians. Oh they decided to send a letter to the nearest highest authority, which was a man named Marabordes. Marabordes? Yes. Interesting name. And the letter just basically said something along the lines of, Valentinian just shouted himself to death. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> And the rigor mortis has set in, and he just he looks so angry. <laughs> He's staring at us while we write, write this letter. <laughs> I don't think he'd approve. He's still warm. <laughs> so, Marabordes receives this letter, and I quote, He, being a sharp-witted man, either guessing what had happened, or perhaps having learnt it from the messenger who summoned him, and suspecting the Gallic troops would violate terms of peace, pretended that an order ticket had been sent to him to return with the messenger in order to guard the banks of the Rhine because the barbarians were getting wilder. Ooh. So, Meribordes 
receives the letter telling him that the emperor's dead, looks around the room full of fellow generals and says, I've just got to pop off to the Rhine for a little bit. <laughs> Excuse me. The reason why he said, I've got to go to the Rhine... Scared. ...was because he then said, oh, the letter also says, you, you and you also need to go off to this place and the other. What he was doing was cleverly spreading the powerful generals about so they couldn't form a coup. Ooh, interesting. Yes. He's diluting the power. Yes, exactly. Maraborders had a handful of loyal men who were loyal to the royal family. They got together and decided they needed to get a handle on this situation immediately. Good. They reasoned that there were three emperors before, so why not now? So they start looking mm. around for another emperor. There's only one logical choice, and that is Valentinian II, oh. Gratian's little brother. He had travelled with the Emperor and was nearby, sort of. He was about 100 miles down the road, which was much closer to, than the other Emperors. So it was decided he would be perfect. He was called for and pronounced Emperor at the age of four. Ooh. So, Gratian let go of that certificate. Let go. <laughs> give, it, go. give it to your little brother. <laughs> there we go. And brother starts chewing on it. Yeah. There was some muttering that Gratian would be displeased by this mood. Some people were worried. Some people were, feared some retaliation. I I think those... I don't know. From my, I, In my head, I'd think, what? But okay, it, you know, if anything happens to me, you've got someone else that can, you know, maybe when they're older. Oh, I think that's pretty much spot on what happens. Yes. Yes. Fears were put to rest when Gratian does find out he was apparently more than happy for his little baby brother to share power. And I quote here, Gratianus, besides being a kindly and righteous man, loved his kinsman with great affection and saw to his education. That's nice. Yeah. Here, little Valentinian. Here you go. We're going to study the bear today. <laughs> here, this is his claw. In you go. In you go. <laughs> Clunk. Gratian, get your little brother out of there. Uh... <laughs> So it was decided Gratian would keep Gaul, Spain, and Britain. Valentinian II gets Italy, the Danube, and Africa. Can you imagine the, the people in charge of Africa <laughs> walking up to Valentinian II going, Oh, sire, what should we do? We have an uprising. Me want to play with Wacko. Well, we'll get to that in Valentinian II's episode. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> but you do make a, a good point there. Obviously, Valentinian is not in charge of anything. It's widely known that Gratian is in charge of the whole of the West still. Yeah. But Valentinian II's, they're in reserve, just in case. Reserve. <laughs> so, we now cut forward a year or two. Valentinian the Old has been dead for a while. Gratian's starting to establish himself. Valens is dealing with those Goths, but trying to get East to deal with Sharpor and Pap. Yeah. So that's roughly where we are. And um, Valentinian II is... Is drooling. Okay. Drooling, yes. Six now. It's so now cut to a tavern, somewhere on the border of Gaul and the Alemannic territories. Okay, a pub. We're going to call this pub... The Artistic Licence. <laughs> so if you imagine that sign swinging in the breeze. Yeah, yes. I imagine for a poet, so I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, probably is. <laughs> wearing black and wearing using Apple Macs. Yeah. <laughs> in the tavern, there was a large Alemannic man who had spent the last couple of years in the service of, of the Roman Emperor. He was an armour-bearer, nonetheless. 
So he knew what he was talking about. Yeah. And he was merrily telling everyone who would buy him a drink about working for the Roman Emperor. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing you've got to know about Gratian, right, is, right, whether you like him or not, the thing you really need to know about him is he's not going to be around for much longer. <laughs> everyone paused. What is it? Assassination? Someone going to kill him? Not, no, no, nothing like that. He's going east. He's going to go off and help his uncle. The Persians were still using that old emperor from a hundred years ago as a hat stand, and his uncle Valens has called his nephew to go and help him. And everyone nodded sagely at these words. Oh dear. And carried on drinking. Okay. However, there was one group of Alemannic warriors near the back, like in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Big, Smoke... big horned glass. Yeah, smoking pipes and staring Ooh. from out under their hoods. They were called Lentenses. Okay. Which is a very hard word to say, and I'm certainly pronouncing it incorrectly. So we'll just call them the lentils. <laughs> they were a group of Alemannic warriors. Like a, a silk, silk section. Yes. Folk band. <laughs> so these warriors look at each other meaningfully, go to bed, and rise early the next day and ride hard for home, where they reported to their higher-ups what they had heard. And I'll quote here, The Lentenses greedily seized upon this information and, looking on these acts from the point of view of neighbours of the frontier, began swift and hasty action. They formed themselves into predatory bands, and in the month of February tried to cross the Rhine, which was sufficiently frozen enough to be passable. So... They hear that Gratian's going to be going soon, so they decide, you know what, let's do some raiding. There was some local resistance, but it was soon overrun. The momentum grew with the invasion, and soon the Alamanni were in full force once again. Gratian received news of this, but at the same time, he received a second letter. Who was that? From his uncle Valens. Apparently, the Goths in the Danube were causing some trouble. Valens wanted Gratian to go and help him out. So this is when Valens has had that envoy from the Goths. Yes. He's saying, just stop fighting us. No, no. this is the one saying, let us in, please. The oh. Huns are coming. Oh. Yes. Yes. That so this is just before the Goths come in and revolt. Valens sends a letter saying, you need to come and help me. Things are getting out of hand. Mm. Well, Gratian's got two choices here. He either stays and deals with the immediate threat to his territory from the Alamanni, or he goes and helps his uncle. Stays. Yeah, I'm with you. Somewhat understandably, he decides to deal with the Alamanni first. Urgent. Yeah. Yes, it's urgent. Now, if you remember last week, I did say that Gratian got howled up. And this is what he was howled up with. Oh, yes. Yeah, he did. Cause, yeah, because he couldn't get there. Yeah. Yes. So he's got to go and fight some Alamanni. But he did send a letter to his uncle telling him that I'll be there as soon as I sort the Alamanni out. And in ancient worlds, three to four months. <laughs> yeah, it, it, take no time at all. Over by Christmas. It'll be fun. So, Gratian calls up two of his generals. One was named Nannianus. Hmm. Yes. (laughs) Which is one of my favourite Roman names so far. He was apparently a well-respected Roman. How can he be respected? (laughs) And I will quote, a leader of valour and discretion. I think you need a lot of discretion if you're called Nannianus. You'd need a lot. (laughs) You would. You get the impression that Nannianus was well-respected, but perhaps a little bit past it, because Gratian also appointed Melabordes. This is not to be confused with Merabordes, who I mentioned earlier. No, yeah, I'm Completely with... different person, apparently. I did check that a couple of times. <laughs> so Melabordes 
was a Frankish king, who was, and I quote, commander of the household troops, and a brave man, always ready for fighting. Well, it's almost like he's in the best of both. He's getting the experienced older guy and the younger fighty guy. Yes. Makes and sense. again, this is an example of one of the barbarian kings leading troops yeah. forward. This time we've got a Frank. Ooh. Yeah. So, the generals set off. Nanny being cautious, a mellow wanting to charge ahead. And I'll quote again, Mellow bodies carried away as usual by his strong eagerness for battle and impatient of postponement, was tormented with longing to go against his foe. Just got the impression he's there, just going, come on, come on. Holding a can of carling in his hand. Yeah. And go on, lads! An axe in the other. Yeah. Nanny anus just tutting. <sighs> holding, oh, holding sherry in a pipe. <laughs> Who on earth gave me this frank... <laughs> However, Melobordes gets his way, and before long the Roman troops face the incoming Alamanni. And I will quote again, Many were struck down on both sides by wounds from flying arrows and javelins, but in the very heart of the fight, our soldiers, seeing countless numbers of the enemy and avoiding combat in the open, dispersed the best they could over their narrow pastures planted with trees. So, in other words... Not the best of starts. Not really. No. A huge amount of the Anamani turn up. The Romans regroup, shall we say. <laughs> run away! Yeah, they, they, they run away. However, I continue. They presently stood their ground with greater confidence, and gleaming with like resplendence and brilliance of arms when seen afar, they struck the barbarians with fear that the emperor was coming. So the enemy turned in flight. So they heard a rumour and legged it. Yeah, it, to put it another way, the Anamani had the Romans on the run, but the Romans stopped, put on their fiercest poses, and scared the Anamani away. You ever seen Zoolander? Yes. You know when they're in the walk-off? Yeah. I imagine that. So you're thinking they all ran up a hill, turned, yeah. all pulled blue steel. And... Pretty much, and the arrows yeah. stopped in the air and dropped to the ground. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like the ninja star. Yeah. That's probably what happened. So, the Romans ran the Alamanni down, killing almost all of them, including an Alamannic king. Ooh. After this, Gratian finally saw why his father's favourite hobby, killing at the Alamanni, was so much fun. It's easy. It's like, oh, now I understand why Daddy used to disappear all those times. So he decides it's time to get stuck in himself. He personally leads an army across the Rhine and took the fight to the reeling Alamannic people. Yeah. And I will quote, They made for the hills, which were beset by pathless crags. There, taking their place round about on the sheer rocks, they tried to defend their possessions and their dear wives and children, whom they had brought with them, and all the strength that they possessed. Nice. Gratian was not pleased by this cowardly hiding by the evil, elderly women and children of the Alamanni, so he devised a plan. Oh dear. He selected the best 500 men from each legion. That's our quote here. After consideration of the difficult situation, 500 soldiers who were approved by experience as prudent in battle were selected from each legion to be opposed to obstacles like those of city walls. Like paratroopers. Ah, we see, I thought what he's doing here is he's creating Top Gun. Oh, who's Goose? <laughs> Jeff. Oh dear. <laughs> Jeff is definitely Goose. He definitely is. Yes. Yeah, so there you go. You, you, he's creating his own top gun. He's there at the front of the room with a moustache at this point. Patting asses and grinning. Yes, there is a lot of homoerotic tension. <laughs> 
So, huge montage scene. Motorbike. Yeah, motorbike. Danger zone. Yeah, lots of Kenny Loggins. Yeah. All that's going on. And then eventually these crack troops were ready. The elite Roman force scaled the mountain, climbing towards the Alamanni. Nice. And I'll quote again. Their confident spirit was all the greater because the emperor was seen actively engaged in the foremost ranks. And they strove to scale the mountain, expecting that if they should set foot in the higher places, they would at once, without struggle, carry them off as if they were booty taken in the chase. <laughs> booty. So they just thought this was going to be easy. Yeah. Well, piece, of, piece of cake. We're in Top Gun. Yeah. We're going to go up that mountain. We're going to kill them all. We're going to take all their stuff. We can fly a jet plane. It's no problem. <laughs> You're not in a jet plane. <laughs> You're climbing a mountain. You haven't been trained for this. <laughs> You'll be fine. Come on, goose. Oh, no. Do you, th- do you think they actually trained in jets? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that, was, that was an oversight. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the Romans were so ahead of their time. Yeah. That was me thinking all they did was play volleyball all day. Oh. Right on motorbikes. Playing with the boys. <laughs> so they finally get up the mountain. They think it's going to be easy. However, it was not to be. By the time they get to the barbarians, they were tired. Night was falling, and it turned out that there was actually quite a few people willing to fight in those cracks. Yeah, because that's like, I've been climbing for a day. I'm used to flying a jet plane. <laughs> yeah. What am I doing? It wasn't going well. Amianus tells us that many on both sides die. Oh dear. Night falls, and fighting is called off. Great. <laughs> Do you have a referee? Yeah. Every battle, it seems like there is, like, night time, beep. <laughs> Tooting in the whistle. Yeah. Everyone stop. That's yeah. at some point where you literally can't see anymore. There's just no point. Yeah, I guess so. You could have torches, though. Could. You do get some night battles. We discussed one in one of our... That's true. Uh, it ended horribly. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> yes. So, Gratian calls a meeting to discuss the progress of what's happened so far. Some said they should keep on fighting. Some wanted to effectively siege the mountain and cut off food supplies. No. One person in the meeting asked who they were talking about. <laughs> Me fighting. But the Alamanni, of course. Which Alamanni would that be? Those Al... Oh. Yes. The Alamanni, realising that they were vulnerable, had legged it. Oh. <laughs> Everyone looks up the mountain. Oh, they're gone. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, Where are they? They had nipped across the valley and gone up a higher mountain. Oh dear. <laughs> but like in Star Wars Episode 3, if you're on the high ground, you're fine. Yeah, exactly. That's where to go. The Romans sigh, they pull up camp, and they move to the next mountain, where they start the discussion all over again. <laughs> They're going to jump up, get their legs cut off, and get into Darth Vader now. Well, they decide to attack. Oh, it is. <laughs> this time the Alamanni realised that they could not go on. They surrendered and offered men for the Roman army to say, oh. sorry. Really oh. sorry, we shouldn't have attacked. Really, 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 really sorry. This satisfied Gratian enough that he let most of them return home unharmed. Fair enough. Apparently he then caught and punished that drunk man that we talked about in the tavern at the start for starting all this off with those rumours. That's true. One guy saying <laughs> a drunk guy in a pub. Yeah, well, we don't know it's a pub. As I said, it was called the Artistic Licence, but it was was. just one man. Yeah, Yeah. it wasn't a pub. Yeah, it was in a pub, clearly. So there, there we go. So that was was him fighting the Alamanni. He told his uncle it wouldn't take long, and you know what? 
It didn't. Well, that's, there's yeah. some good fighty there. Yeah. Generally, things are looking up for Gratian. I can tell we're still on the uh, good detail source. <laughs> yes, you, you'll see when it stops quite soon. <laughs> he sends a note to his uncle telling him to hold on just a little bit longer because I sorted out the Alamani. I'll be there soon. Just don't do anything, Valens, until I, I'm in the Danube area. A few weeks. I'll be there soon. Just just don't do anything. <laughs> Rash. You right? Yeah. Slow down a bit. It will be fine. And as we know from last week, that's what happens. Yeah. Gratian sends the letter off with Roger, packs up his troops, and start marching towards the Danube. Mm. However, it was not long after that that Gratian receives utterly devastating news. What is it? <laughs> Valens had not waited. Valens had attacked, and Valens had lost. And not just lost, but been wiped out. The entire Eastern Roman army was dead. Oh. Gratian was not strong enough to take on these Goths. He was supposed to be the reinforcements. He wasn't mm. big enough to take on this Gothic force. The Empire was up a certain creek, and they did not have a paddle. <laughs> All they had was an angry Goth sitting on the other end of the canoe. Grr. It's not a place you want to be. Especially no. <laughs> got a spear. Yeah, it's just staring at you. Yeah, no weapons, just, just yeah. staring and growling every now yeah. and then. <sighs> you can't even paddle to shore. No. no. Um... And, and there's like a sandwich in the middle. <laughs> oh, no. That's the only food you've got. <laughs> and a cup of water. Perfectly yeah. equidistance. Yes. Oh. I think that is the perfect metaphor for where Rome is right now, I think, yeah. so And the Huns are in another boat. Yes, slowly with, with getting cannons closer. cannons and all sorts, yeah. <laughs> Wizards and dragons. <laughs> yeah. It's not going well. And here it is that we finally lose Ammianus. He did us well for a few episodes. Yeah. We've really got some detail. A lot of detail, yeah. Yes. Uh, but now, now he's gone, and the rest of the episode is going to be a bit swifter. Where does he go? Um, he, he fell off the canoe into the creek. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, what a creek it's falling into. That's not good. So, soon after the rumours reach Gratian that Valens yeah. is dead, a general suddenly appears with the very ironic name Victor. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> it's boding well. Yes. He had survived the Battle of Adrianople and proceeded to tell Gratian all the details. All the news was just as grim as they'd heard in the rumours. Apparently, Gratian was not too concerned personally over the death of his uncle. And I quote, Gratian was little grieved at the death of his uncle, a disagreement having existed between them. However, despite the fact he wasn't personally devastated by the death of his uncle, he did realise he was now completely out of his depth. He was only 18 by this point. And although he'd started to make his mark, he's clearly heavily relying on advisers. Yeah, you're going to be right. And we don't know details. We're back to that again. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but we can assume that there were some hasty and fraught meetings about the state of the Empire. The Goths continued to ravage the area and could not be stopped. They were in fact heading for the gates of Constantinople. Ooh. Something had to be done. Rome needed an emperor who was a warrior. Presumably, there was still a faction of supporters of Valentinian's favourite general, Count Theodosius. Knocking around still. Is he the vampire? He is the vampire general, yes. Because Count Theodosius's son, Theodosius, <laughs> was put forward as a possible candidate 
to join Gratian as emperor. Not the dad, not the successful dad, but his son. No, because successful dad is dead. He's a vampire. Oh, stake in stake, the heart. Stake in the heart. If you remember, we last came across Count Theodosius when he yeah. went down to Africa to sort Romanus out, the corrupt general in charge of Africa. Yes. And then he fought civil war against Firmus, um, trying to sort out the area. Yeah. Now, we don't know why... But at some point after Valentinian's death, an order went through to execute Count Theodosius. What? There was obviously some political manoeuvring going on, and everyone's favourite vampire general was murdered. Oh, so you just imagine like, these, these Roman soldiers walking up to a castle on a craggy hill, yes. lightning striking, <laughs> go down to the cellar, a load of religious like Christian crucifixes around the outside, yeah. and then stands up and they throw a thin minion into his heart. Yes, that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah, so did not sign up to the Roman army for this. This isn't fair. <laughs> I will kill you. Yeah, so the Count Theodosius is dead, but his son Theodosius yeah. is very much alive, and he is sent for. Now we're we'll going to this in more detail in Theodosius's episode. <gasps> oh yes, but to begin with, he is just given the Danube region to rule as a sort of job interview of becoming <laughs> emperor. See how you get on. Yeah. Theodosius, you see this this region here? The the area overrun with gothic hordes. That'll be the one. (laughs) If you could sort that out for us, that would just be (laughs) tickety-boo. And then maybe you could be emperor afterwards. So that's sorted out. Theodosius bravely grabs hold of a sword and walks into the Danube area, and Gratian heads back into Gaul to keep an eye on the Rhine. But does not stay there for long, because he ends up in Milan, and settling into the role of being junior emperor accepting that Theodosius is now running the show. Ooh. Well, that's quite nice, though. Just like, you're the stronger emperor. You're technically what's best. If I do it, I will die. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> and he does, he does very little at this time, or at least due to lack of sources, there's very little we know about. However, we do know that he likes to hunt, and he passes the time by passing some laws, generally anti-pagan laws. Oh. Yes which we'll go into a bit more later. One thing he does do, though, and we're not sure how it happened, but he creates his own personal bodyguard made up entirely of Alan's. Oh. Alan! Yeah? Alan! Yeah? Yeah. Alan! Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it's the Alan's. We've not mentioned the Alan's yet with their humorous name. They sound brilliant. (laughs) The Alans are very much linked to the Goths. They come from the same sort of regions. Both the Goths and the Alans are referred to as Scythians at times. So <laughs> they've got strong links, but they're much more humorously named. <laughs> the Alans were also being squeezed by the Hunts. Many had joined the Hunnic advance. Ooh. But some had entered the Empire and asked for jobs. Now, the Alans were very fierce at fighting. They didn't sound it. No. I mean, nowadays, Alans are just very fierce at fighting. <laughs> but, but back then, apparently they were good fighters. Yeah. Still think they wore suits, though. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Take that, you brute! Oh, I've got blood on my tie. <laughs> Send a sharp memo to you later. <laughs> Here's a posted note for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this particular group clearly impressed the Emperor... Because he gave them gifts, he employed them as bodyguards and was soon praising them above all other troops in his army. See, in my head, I'm thinking of just one guy called Alan who's particularly good at fighting. Oh, maybe it's just one man called Alan. 
Gratian was so impressed by Alan and his chums Alan <laughs> that he even started dressing like Alan. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> blue suit. Yeah. White creamy shirt with another blue stripy tie. Yeah. Pen in top pocket. <gasps> yeah. Salt suspenders. <laughs> so you can imagine how well this goes down with his troops. Yeah. And I quote, this produced amongst his soldiers a violent hatred against him. Feel like we're approaching his death. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. In fact, an old friend of Theodosius, a general in Britain, was particularly not impressed. This is a man who we'll come across again, mm-hmm. and he has an impressive name. Oh, go on. His name is Magnus Maximus. Oh, oh yes. A name that literally translates to Great Greatest. You get the impression that if Donald Trump could change his name... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he would. Yes, he bloody well would. So there you go. We've got Magnus Maximus in Britain. Oh, that's brilliant. Magnus Maximus is up in Britain. He's winning. Yeah. He's winning. His troops are tired of winning. He's winning that yeah, much off in he's Britain. He's winning bigly. He's winning bigly <laughs> off in Britain. <laughs> so Magnus Maximus was upset that his friend Theodosius was deemed worthy of being emperor, but at the same time, this kid who liked to dress up as Alan was also in the purple. Mm. Would it not be better all round? He thought, if he were emperor, how hard can it be? Yeah. He's, he's, he's experienced. Yeah. He knows how to rule an empire. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. How, it's how easy. hard can it be? From day one, he'll be winning. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> with that thought, Magnus Maximus invades Gaul. Gratian hastily puts together an army and marches north to meet this unexpected threat. The two sides meet and skirmished for five days. I imagine like most people thought, well, clearly, clearly Gratian's going to win. Obviously Gratian's going to win. He's got it's the obvious. numbers. He's yep. got experience. Yeah, and all the polls say he's going to win. He's, def- he's definitely So gonna everyone win. heads to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and Don't even bother watching the battle. No, it's absolutely fine. <laughs> the next morning, however. <laughs> well, actually, there wasn't a battle. Oh. Because over this period of five days, every morning, Gratian couldn't help but notice that there seemed to be fewer men than the day before. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Not because they were dying, but because his army was slowly but surely defecting to Magnus Maximus. Okay. Gratian realised he could not fight this battle, and he ran with 300 loyal men to the Alps. 300? Yeah, why is it always 300? Maybe he knew that if you got 300, it's fine. You're bound to win, especially yes. if you go into a, a mountain. Yes. In between two mountains, anyway. When he realised that his number was up... He got all his remaining troops, lined them up, <laughs> and just commanded that they all take their tops off. Oh, yes. And then he just pointed at the top 300 apps that he could see. Yes. Yeah. You, you, you. Oh, so you. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Is that even real? <laughs> Look, CG. <laughs> It's a xylophone on it. Give me your best Scottish accent and say, this is Sparta. That's what I want to hear, guys. Come on. So, yes, he runs off with his 300 men to the Alps. All looking really confused. Where's the armour? This isn't fighting conditions. Why are we wearing these capes? It's cold in the Alps. Got nipples like chapel hat pegs. So he soon realises, however, perhaps because of everyone's nipples were so hard, that this area was unsuitable. 
So he decides to move on. And he heads for Leon. Maybe. Sources are a bit confused here. So I couldn't figure out what was going on at the end here. Sources differed. So (laughs) I'm just going to give you the two options that I came up with and we decide. So either he ended up in Leon for some reason, despite the fact he'd gone past Leon. Maybe. We don't know. So that rules this one (laughs) out. And when he was there, he was betrayed by a general who was secretly working for Magnus Maximus. And assassinated. Or, Gratian heads off towards the Danube. However, at the point of crossing a bridge, he was caught up with by the general Magnus Maximus had sent after him, and the emperor was killed. Now, both versions have the same general in it, so we're fairly sure that it was a Gothic general named Andragathius. Good name. Uh, But neither story tells us exactly how he died. So we get to choose that. Yes! (laughs) Uh, Spike up the bomb. Ooh, spike up the bomb. Um... If, if it's number one, I think Spike Up the Bomb could work. Okay. Because he's just in Lyon. That's... <laughs> and uh, he gets to Spike Up the Bomb. Why are you insinuating Lamb's in Lyon? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, maybe I wasn't clear there. It's not because he's in Lyon specifically. He's just in a city and he's betrayed. Okay. Whereas the other option, he's on the march. I mean, you, you don't have a spike to hand, maybe. That's yeah. true. And also, I just think in story two, he's caught up on a bridge, so I just think he was chucked off. off the bridge. Drowned. Yeah. Or maybe spike up the bomb off the bridge. So what would be really depressing is like he's pushed off the side to drown, but it was like a really th- like an inch of water, and he drowned in that. Okay. <laughs> so he just sort of lands smack. <laughs> Face planted in. Yeah. Arse up in the air. Yeah. Legs like curled beneath on his knees, like in a praying position, just like face against the mud and the water, and he drowns in an inch of water. That's how he dies. Excellent. Yeah, so there you go. Gratian's dead. Well, I know he's not going to Genesis. <laughs> now, now, let's sort of prejudge. Let's go to Phytius Maximus. Phytius Maximus. He had some wins. He did. He, he was given a fair amount of praise by Amianus. I will quote, And with the same courage as before, he sought to find paths leading up to the heights. That's during his battle in the mountains. So he showed courage. Another quote here. He was a young man of splendid character, eloquent, self-restrained, warlike, and merciful, and was already on his way to rivalry with the most distinguished of emperors. Just sucking up though, isn't it? <laughs> that's why I get back to your last point as well. He's, he's courageous, that's fine, but that idiots are courageous. That's <laughs> how they die. <laughs> true, true. I mean, he was young, but he was involved in a fair few battles. Yeah, that's true, yeah. He, he wouldn't want to early on, didn't he? Yeah, he, well, he was with his father, aged nine, fighting with the Alamanni. He probably didn't take part of the battles, but he was... He was sitting at the side taking notes. Yeah, that's some good experience for a nine-year-old. Or to be fair. just utterly horrific and... Something you'd be in social services for. Yeah, it's uh, some mental scars after that, perhaps. But anyway, <laughs> so he got that experience as a child. An important battle against the Alamanni was won under him... Now, he didn't fight in that first one when he sent Anianus off (laughs) and the Frankish king, but it was won under his name. And then, most importantly, he fought the Alamanni himself. He led men himself over the Rhine. And I think he was old enough by that point that we can give him some credit. Yeah. He won, didn't he? Yes, he won. He beat the Alamanni. They surrendered. And he was definitely leading by that point. Bad. He lost a civil war. Yeah. Admittedly, it was against a man called Magnus Maximus. Well, you would lose all Yeah, of course you're going to lose. I mean, he's called Greatest Great. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
but he lost. Also, he didn't even try and sort the Goths out. If you thought that this episode was going to be about Valen's nephew taking revenge on the Goths, you're going to have been disappointed, because he just passes that book on to Theodosius at the first possible moment. Yeah, but but you could argue that's as a positive. He knew that wasn't his strength, so there's some, someone that could actually try and sort it out. Yeah, quite possibly. That's strategic thinking, I would argue. <laughs> so you're arguing to give him Phytius Maximus points because he realised he was no good at fighting? Well, part of fighting is strategy. You've got to play in your strengths. Yes. So I, I, I'm not going to beat them. I haven't, got a stra- I haven't got the experience. He does. I know he's going to win. Send him. My personal strength is not being anywhere near this battle. <laughs> I think you're trivialising it slightly. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's as much the negative as perhaps we're spinning on. Okay, then what, what do you think? Um, it's not great. I mean, I'll probably give him... He hasn't like beat the Persians or anything, so... <laughs> Four at the most, three. Oh, I was thinking four. Four's where three I am. He's, he's, yeah. I don't think he quite deserves half marks, but he did some. He did some stuff. So I think, I think a healthy four. What are you going for? I go three. Okay, that is a seven then for Fatius Maximus. Approvium crazium. I'll admit, it's a little bit disappointing. Oh. Especially considering that Amianus teases us at one point. Oh, he's such a tease. He is such a tease. The quote that I just read out in the previous round about him having a splendid character goes on. Do you remember, I ended that quote with him being favourably compared to the great emperors. Yes. So he would have been favourably compared to the great emperors had not his natural inclination for unbecoming conduct, which was given free reign by his intimates, turned him to the frivolous pursuits of the emperor Commodus. So what did he do? Well, at this point, everyone holds their breath. Here we go. What crazy stuff did he do? Did he, thinking back to Commodus, cast innocent men to wild beasts? Did he order a slave to be cast into the furnace for running a tepid bath? <laughs> did he strip senators in public, create his own brothels in the palace, get to know his sister? Ooh. Did he pretend to be a surgeon, pretend to serve up the disabled for mm. dinner before forcing them to fight to the death? Did he, in short, attempt to kill a lot of people? For looking at him in a funny way. Did he have a club? Did he have a club? That's all I want to know. But then Amianus finishes his sentence. Aww. In the most disappointing way imaginable. <laughs> Comma, no. <laughs> <laughs> Worse than that. And I'll, I'll read the sentence again. Turned him to the frivolous pursuits of the Emperor Commodus. <gasps> Comma. Although, without that prince's thirst for blood. Uh. So, um, <laughs> what, what's, what's left, Amianus? What is left after Commodus' thirst for blood? Did he have a sister? <laughs> no! <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So, in short, he liked to hunt. That's not really comparable. <laughs> really not. He fought animals in the arena, which, to be fair, actually, at this time, would have been slightly shocking. Well, when... it was at Commodus' time. Unless so. We're now in the rapidly growing Christian era. Ah, so... They're pretty much personifications of God himself. Partly that, but also partly this idea of blood games is not oh, uh, it's not considered it's the done thing when you're a Christian. That's something the pagans do. So the idea of blood games were definitely fading. However, and I quote, Gratian pierced sharp-toothed beasts with many an arrow shot within the enclosures. So yeah, there we go. He's fighting wild beasts in the arena. Something we've not seen for a while. But it certainly does not warrant not crazy. Commodus's name being bandied about. 
the only other thing I could think of was that he he loved Alan a little bit too much, <laughs> um, which kind of started the civil war. He even started to dress like the Alans. It's not a good look for the Roman emperor. What about pagans? Because he said he was against the pagans a bit. We're going to discuss that in Successors Ultimus. Not crazy. Because he doesn't really go crazy with it. No. Oh, all right. Yeah. One. <laughs> One. To combine all, th- all three of those. One. Cause... Yeah, he's not very crazy. No. Yeah, I agree with you. One. That is two for appropriate crazy. Successors Ultimus. Okay, good. He kept Gaul safe to begin with, which is nice. Yeah. If you were a Christian... He would have pleased you. Or rather, the emergence of another man would have pleased you. What? A man we will introduce in a moment. Okay. However, if you're still a pagan, you would not have been happy at all. Now, I'm only going to mention this man briefly, because he's going to pop up again, and he doesn't really impact our story here, but this is Ambrose, the Bishop of Milan. And here, here be coming along. He's a hugely influential figure okay. over the next few episodes. Valentinian and Valens were both Christian, but with a fairly light touch when it came to religion. Gratian, however, was young and was easily led by Ambrose. Ooh, okay. And therefore passed several anti-pagan laws during his time in Milan. Gratian confiscated the treasures of the pagan temples and shrines. He stripped back the power and privileges of the priests and he started to dismantle the Vestal Virgins. Ugh. The, the order, rather than oh, the, the actual physical people. Virgins. <laughs> yeah. He ordered that the altar of victory be removed from the Roman Senate building. Now, this altar was installed by Augustus to celebrate his victory over Antony and Cleopatra way back in episode one. Wow. This altar's been there since we started. Six episodes ago. Yeah, it's a long time that's been there. Now, admittedly, Constantius too had it removed a few episodes ago, Mm. but then Julian had it put back. So it was. It's not the first time it's been removed, but it doesn't get put back again after this. So basically, if you were a Roman Roman from Rome, you would have hated this time. Yeah. Now the empire, like I've said before, is currently increasingly Christian, with Milan, Constantinople, Antioch, and Alexandria leading the way. Yeah. But Rome itself was full-on pagan still. They clung on to the old ways, and here was Gratian stripping their religion away from them. So that's not good. Unless, oh. of course, you're a Christian, in which case you would have seen it as good. Again, we've got this empire of two religions it's very hard to say whether it's good or not because it depends what side you fell on at the time so it kind of balances itself out really doesn't it but also it's like sort of the empire is pretty much like rome's out of date the city is it we haven't yes. really talked about it for episodes now oh yeah i mean rome's rome's dead I mean, we never really talk about rome again well we do but only for reasons that aren't good <laughs> Yes, that's coming up soon. So, it's not great, though. He is stripping people's religion away from them. But he's not full-on persecution here. He's just removing powers. It's removing the iconography of the pagan elements of Rome, which saps the power, I guess. Or yeah. It's but a, also increases the hatred. <laughs> it's a, this systematic dismantling of the pagan mm. institution, isn't it? Which isn't as traumatic or on a large scale, like a persecution. But it's, it's still definitely removing a religion, which, which isn't great. No. Um, definitely bad. He liked to hunt rather than rule at times. He was criticised a lot for not taking his role seriously enough because he liked to go out and hunt. 
Didn't he? He hasn't improved the empire. He won a few battles, but he hasn't expanded it. He hasn't got anything back. He ended up dying from the Goths. Four, three. Well, it wasn't the Goths. It was Magnus Maximus. Oh, cool. Yes, yeah. civil war. He lost the civil war. So, in fact, the empire's in a worse state. Yeah. So, three. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to go for three as well. So, that is six. Four. Successors, Optimus. Image of What's he look like? That still seems quite young. So no no beard or anything. No beard seems out of fashion at the moment. Quite serious looking. So you've got lots of curly hair, nothing serious, young. We've only got a coin, no bust, and <laughs> there he is. Uh, well, he seems to be got a smiley actually. Yeah, quite young and happy looking. He's exactly how I'd imagine him. Yeah, is that a good thing? Not necessarily, but I'm leaving points on the fact that he's exactly how I expect him to be. I'm struggling to form an opinion. Actually, no, I say that. Valens was disappointing. Yes. He only had a coin, and he was disappointing. I'm, I'm yeah. referring him to Valens. He's got got a slight smile to his face there. He looks happy. Yeah. But serious and dignified, as propaganda would yeah. dictate. Uh, four. Um, I'm going to go for five. No, I'm going to go for... F- no, I'm going to go for five. Yeah. Okay. So that's a total of 2.25. Mm. Okay. Right. Final round. Temple completed. How long has it last? Six years? No. Ooh. 16. What? 16 years. That's mental. Yes. Wow, that's really good. Yeah, well, there is a little bit of debate over these dates, but roughly we're talking around 16 years. He ruled from 367 to 383. Wow, okay. Which, although it seems like he doesn't do much, he was very young when he started. And he probably did more than we know about anyway. Yes. I mean, and he was in his mid-twenties when he finally died. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a lot of his life was summed up in that very end bit of the episode where I said he hung around in Milan for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So a full two-thirds of his life he spent as emperor, which is, wow. as a fraction, probably one of the highest. Good point. Yeah. But that gives him a nice round score for Tempo Completo of two. <laughs> Good. Yes. So we have our final score. He is in the teens club. Aww. But only just because he's on 19.25. He did better than I'd imagine, to be honest. He did better than Valence. <laughs> well, yeah, it wasn't hard. He did better than his own goal. He didn't do anywhere near as well as his father, who got a bizarrely high score. <laughs> it puts him... Sort of middle of the pack, but towards the end of the middle of the pack. <laughs> Maybe about two-thirds down our list. It puts him a mere three hundredths of a point behind Otho. Ooh. Who actually won Genesis R. Our lowest-scoring Genesis R. Yes, winner. yeah. And it puts him slightly ahead of Pupianus. Oh. And everyone wants to be ahead of Pupianus. You've got to be. It's like the watermark. Yeah. <laughs> the poopy anus watermark. You just don't want to be below poopy anus. So, um, you really don't. Yeah. So, with that in mind, oh, yeah. I do wonder. Hmm. I see that works this week. Do they have a certain genesis? No. <laughs> no? No. No, you seem very certain. More certain than you have done recently. Well, he's, he's, he's very obviously not done much. He won a few battles. The Empire is now in a civil war. He died on a bridge. Or with a spike of his bomb. bomb. Yeah, uh, so no, I, I I, wouldn't be happy giving him that. 
I completely agree with you. That is a no <laughs> for Gen 80s. Uh, our first outright no for a while. And there you go. Sorry, Gration, did not cut the mustard. No, you did not. But do you think his brother might be able to guess it? Ooh. Bantinian 2. Yes. The four-year-old. The four-year-old. I'm sure he might he might do a bit more. Um, but like you said, like the Empire's now on the, on the decline. We've already got a civil war. Yeah. We do, of course, also have Theodosius knocking around at the moment. That's true, but I'm, I'm not going to make a mistake I've made in the past and assume he'll be as good as his dad. He might not even be a vampire. He is known as Theodosius the Great. Um, well, okay, if he's called the Great, fair enough. He'll be coming up soon. And we also have Great Greatest, Magnus Maximus. Is he an emperor? Oh, it's debatable. He certainly appears on many lists. Let's check if he's on the poster. He's not on our poster, but he certainly appears on many lists. Okay. I must admit, I haven't decided whether to give him an episode yet, because he is seen as a usurper by some and an emperor by others, but with a name like Magnus Maximus. That's getting points right away. Yeah, it's, it's like... I mean, if he was just called Steve, I think I'd be dropping him straight away, but he's impressed me with his name, so... Um, My dad's called Steve. Yeah, that's why I chose that name. Okay. It hurts, man. It hurts. <laughs> so there we go, right. But that won't be next week, any of those emperors, because we are going to do a Roman Republic episode. Ooh! Yes, we are. So this is just for our paying listeners. Yes, our very, very kind senators who donate a contribution once a month. It could be as little as a dollar if you want to hear our Roman Republic episodes, but if you feel like we give you more value a month than a dollar, feel free to offer some more. And you can get some specific artwork from Rob. Yes. Which is on its way, or a coin, or or a mug, or all three. Yes, depending on the level. Go and check out our site to see that. Um, Not fully decided who I'm going to do next week. It's uh, between... Furious Cam nice. from the early days, or perhaps Marius to finish the Marius Sulla story off. That would make sense to me. Yeah, it will be one of those two. Um, yeah. It depends how I feel this weekend. <laughs> um, who, who I want to search. Imagine your hangover. <laughs> <laughs> Black magic, Jamie. Oh, yeah. Black magic. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, so we will see that. Uh, before we go, however, let's just give a huge thank you to. Julia Lamore. Thank you, Julia. Dan Milburn. Thanks, Dan. And Leisha Bodian. Thank you. Leisha Bodian. Leisha Bodian. <laughs> you know, if ever Podbean do change it so you can actually see just normal names instead of email addresses, That'd I'm still doing it this way because <laughs> I quite like it. Fair enough. You Fair you enough. three know who you are. Thank you very much for contributing to our Senate. Yeah, thank it you. It is hugely appreciated. So until next time. Not a spike up the bum. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>
actually happening now. How? They're all geriatrics by now, aren't they? Uh, Tom Cruise is going to be in it, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. For those listening, Jamie just did a Val Kilmer. Snap the jaws. Yes. (laughs) I hope Val Kilmer's in it. Because he's he's really not a spice man anymore. No, he's not. So I remember seeing him in um, The Doors um, biopic, and it was he was so good because he, he's in a, he's in Doors tribute band because he's he literally sounds like um, oh does he I didn't know that Jim Morrison he's he's yeah he, oh it's so good and he sings all the songs he's, he's phenomenal at it but looking at him now oh he's he's middle aged <laughs> yes, he <laughs> oh, is, he is. <laughs> I gotta squeeze him into that yes <laughs> <laughs> shoe on giant shoe on. <laughs> Conval, suck in! <laughs> I am! Lukewarm man. Tepid man. 